Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to this 11 o'clock service of worship. It's a joy to be with you all this morning as we worship Holy God on a beautiful sunny day. Thanks be to God. If you are seated at the end of your aisles, if you will locate the friendship registry, that's a way in which we record who's with us in the morning services. It's also a means by which you can learn the folks' names around you so that we can join together as a closer community of faith. So please do sign that. If you're new to Preston Hollow, we welcome you here, or if it's one of your first few times visiting, we'd invite you to join us in the atrium after the service to receive a little bit more information about the mission and ministry of the congregation, as well as to receive a special gift bag from our welcome team. Additionally, if you're new and hoping to connect, we have some connect cards in the pews, so that's a way in which you can give us your information so we can send you information, contact, uh, events that are coming up, things that are happening in the life of our community. On the back of those Connect cards, there's a prayer card. So if you are looking for prayer or if you have a joy that you'd like to share with the pastors and the deacons here at the church, you can fill out that prayer card and drop it into the offering plate later in the service. A few announcements this morning. This Thursday night, we have the great privilege of welcoming Duke Divinity Professor Kate Bowler, who is an incredible scholar and theologian and person, and she's going to be speaking to us about her book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. So if that piques your interest, be sure to join us this Thursday night. She is warm and funny and so good at getting to the heart of, of what it means to suffer and what it means to love and find grace in the midst of suffering. So please join us this Thursday night. If you would like to buy a ticket, you can do that on our website, phpc.org. Additionally, a reminder that next Sunday is Commit Sunday, and we will be Kirkin the Tartans in our morning services. So please do bring your Commit card as we join in celebrating the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst as a community. Friends, this is the day that the Lord is still making, so let us rejoice and worship God.
In worship, we remember that God so loves the world. We are reminded that all belong to God. In worship, the old and the young join hands, the mourning and the joyful share peace, the powerful and the powerless raise their voices together. We are reminded that we belong to one another. In worship, God knits us together into the body of Christ. God, in our worship and in our daily lives, help us to trust that all belong to God and live like we belong to one another. will, no matter how much we strive to be perfect, we will always fall short. In hopes of reconciliation with God and with one another, 
We name the ways in which we fall short and make amends for the hurt we've caused ourselves and others. Let us join our hearts in confessing these things to God. God of unity, it seems that we will never be united. It seems that our divisions are too deep to overcome, that the differences in our families, churches, and society will always keep us apart. In these moments of polarization, remind us of our call to be the one body of Christ in the world. Teach us how to find common ground and to appreciate difference as a gift. Help us to commit not to sameness, but to lie together. Amen. Because of God's mercy, we are set free from our sin, we are set free to love, and to be loved. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. scripture read aloud. Join me in prayer. Living Spirit, through this scripture, open our eyes to see the world with love and compassion. Open our ears to hear a word of hope and encouragement. Open our minds to be challenged and compelled to act. Open our hearts to respond with thanksgiving. Spirit, move through this scripture that we might be opened to new life. Amen. So another warm word of welcome to those who may be visiting with us today. We are so grateful that you have joined us for worship You need to know that we are picking up on a conversation that we've been having for the last six weeks as a community of faith around our new vision statement that our session, that is our board, has adopted. That vision statement is trusting that all belong to God living like we belong to one another. You also need to know that uh, the month of October is commit season here in the life of this community of faith. I think of a commit season as sort of being our pep rally for the church. It's the time when we celebrate all that God has done in our midst, all that God is doing in our midst, and it's a season for us to commit to the future in faith. And so uh, for the month of October, for this season of commit, we've been examining, wrestling with the second part of this vision statement, living like we belong to one another. But what does it mean to live like we belong to one another if um, the other person that we're called to live like we belong to is someone that we just adamantly disagree with? 
Someone that we may, uh, in this particular season, vote differently than. Mm. That was like the biggest Presbyterian amen in the history of this church. (laughs) Did you hear it? How do we live like we belong to one another? What does the Bible have to, to tell us about how we're supposed to live in divided times? Here is some good news for all of us this day. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of letters. It makes up two-thirds of our New Testament. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to some divided churches and divided times. And so we're going to turn um, to Paul's letter to the Galatians this morning. We're going to pick up in the third chapter because I think Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, has a gift for us as the church and a gift for us as a people. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ. Now, if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to the promise. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask this day that you would create afresh and anew this very day, that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they might be your word to us here and now. That you might breathe new life, O God, into the words of my mouth. And then to the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Divided. Divided. That's the only word for it. Divided around who's included in God's covenant and who's not. Divided on who has the power to make decisions. Divided on politics and religion. Divided on women's rights. Divided between the rich and the poor. News outlets on both sides. Reporting that the divisions are reaching a tipping point, nearing a crisis. The people of Galatia were becoming more and more entrenched on their respective sides. Facebook statuses were circulating daily. 
in Galatia. If you don't know what a social media status is, just think a letter to the editor. Social media statuses were circulating daily in Galatia, shouting down the other side, drawing lines in the sand. Facebook statuses like these. It's clear you have to adhere to the law of Moses to be included in the covenant. You have to adhere to the law of Moses to be included in the covenant and in the community of Jesus. Read the Torah. It's right there. You know, we have to get back to the word in this country. The word that is clearly stated in our holy book. If you don't agree with this status, no need in commenting. Nobody got any time for that. Hashtag back to the future. Hashtag blessed. You know, the shouting was equally, equally as loud from the other side. I mean, shouting and Facebook statuses like this one. Can I be a good Christ follower without having to adhere to every law? What year is this? 400 BCE? Seriously, all these people asking us to go back in time. You want us to ignore all the progress that we've made? If you don't agree with this status, don't worry, I'll unfriend you by the morning. <laughs> Hashtag can't go back to go forward. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag love beyond the ritual. This is the climate into which the Apostle Paul is writing his letter to the Galatians. And let's be clear about something. Uh, the Apostle Paul is not very happy. In fact, the Apostle Paul is fired up. And he uses some language that I'm not allowed to use in the pulpit when we broadcast on the radio. And if you don't believe me, just go back and read the first chapter of Galatians. Paul's fired up. He's not happy because Paul began his ministry in towns like Galatia. In these tiny little towns, he cut his teeth in Galatia, in Gun Barrel City, in Maybank. That's where he preached his first sermons. Sermons that told of this expansive grace because the Apostle Paul knew what it meant to live a life entrenched on one side of the line. Paul knew what it meant to live a rigid and legalistic life. He was a man who wanted to persecute Christians because he thought their theology was too dangerous. Paul thought the Christian theology was too far outside the understanding of God, but then something happens to Paul. This rigid, legalistic person of faith is encountered by the risen Christ one day. That holy encounter was followed by the hospitality of the Christian community towards Paul. It was a transformation that Paul didn't achieve on his own. It was not because of his own righteousness. Paul's encounter with Christ that day was a moment of pure grace. And so we can understand that this is the reason that Paul's first sermons in towns like Galatia was a message rooted in grace. God's grace that reaches out 
to us, to him, and to everyone who doesn't deserve it. Paul has been transformed. And so this this message in towns like Galatia that he is preaching and teaching and telling people that the dividing lines are not the way to live. That there's unity in Christ. That message is being drowned out now by uh, Christian missionaries who have come in behind Paul and they're sowing seeds of doubt. These Christian missionaries, uh, uh, scholars tell us, they're known as the Judaizers. They come in and they say, you know, uh, that expansive understanding of God's love and God's grace is too expansive. We've got to have some rules. In order to be a Christian, you first have to be Jewish and you have to have your children circumcised and then you can be a Christian. If you don't do that, then you're not included in Abraham's covenant. Their teaching is dividing the early church. It's dividing everything that Paul has worked for. The dividing lines are being redrawn. Jew and Greek, male and female, slave and free. And the people in Galatia have put themselves into factions. And they are so entrenched in their factions, they can no longer see their way out. So Paul pens this letter to the Galatians. And he says repeatedly to the Galatians, there is a different way to live. There is unity in Christ. There is a different way to live beyond the lines that you have drawn, beyond the binary factions that you have created. Jew, Greek, male, female, slave, free. Paul says that you are no longer entirely defined by those lines. For you're all one in Christ. It seems to me, the more I've been wrestling with this passage this week, that Paul is offering the people of Galatia and us this morning a different way to live and to be. It's what uh, Richard Rohr, um, the, the Jesuit priest, has come to call the third way. Richard Rohr says, um, God came to us as the Trinity, the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Creator, Christ, and Holy Ghost. God came to us as three in one because God in God's infinite wisdom must have known that if God would have come to us as merely God or Jesus in the binary, we would merely align with either God or Jesus, put our lines in the sand, and quarrel with one another. But God in God's infinite wisdom came to us in the Trinity, so that the Holy Spirit would always be alive and at work, providing us a way beyond the binary, creating a path for us that we could never arrive at on our own, a way of forgiveness and reconciliation and mutuality that we would never arrive at if we stayed entrenched in our camps. I think the Apostle Paul is writing to the Galatians and saying that you are divided in every way possible, but I want to remind you that there is a third way to live. You have forgotten that you belong to one another. You have forgotten that there's unity in Christ. You don't have to choose a side. There are no binary factions. There's only one community in the Spirit created by God bound together in the grace of Jesus Christ. 
So what does that look like uh, for us? In 2018, beyond Paul's ancient words to the Galatians, my uh, freshman college roommate, my college roommate freshman year, his name was uh, Cersei Allen Wilcoxon III. Cersei was from New Jersey. I'm kidding, with a name like Cersei, he was not from New Jersey. <laughs> Cersei Allen Wilcoxon III was from Alabama. And in the infinite wisdom of his family, they knew that they had better give Cersei a nickname before they turned him out to the world and let the world determine what his nickname would be. <laughs> Cersei's nickname was Buzz, B-U-Z, Buzz Wilcoxon. And Buzz knew the day that we enrolled at Presbyterian College that he was going to be a Presbyterian minister. Let's just say that my journey towards the ministry was a little longer than Buzz's. Buzz, uh, since the day I knew him, first met him, was one of the greatest theologians and pastors and, yes, even preachers that I had ever encountered. He was really like a, a chaplain for me as my roommate. Buzz now lives in Mobile, Alabama, where he grew up, and he serves at the Spring Hill Presbyterian Church. It's the largest church in his home presbytery and he uh, shared with me a story a miracle that happened at Spring Hill Presbyterian Church in the early 1990s I think it's an example of the third way in the early 1990s Spring Hill Presbyterian Church invited a man Tom Tarrant who was then the president and the executive director of the C.S. Lewis Institute in Washington, D.C. Think theological think tank. They invited Tom Tarrant to come to Spring Hill Presbyterian Church and to speak on a Thursday night in their fellowship hall. They put up flyers throughout all of Mobile. They were expecting a, a packed house. They wanted to hear from Tom about his work in D.C. with the C.S. Lewis Society, but they also wanted to hear about Tom's journey of faith. You see, Tom had not always identified as a Christian. In fact, uh, Tom was still known in Mobile, Alabama for the behavior he had when he was in high school. Behavior that was not nice to the Jewish community. In fact, uh, one day, uh, Tom was walking down the hall and he bumped into one of the Jewish kids at his school and he shoved him against the locker. He grabbed him by the throat and he lifted him off the ground and he said some really hateful and mean things to him. I wish I could tell you that Tom's behavior stopped at physical altercations in the hallway of his high school. Tom became militant started learning how to make bombs and he would try to crawl under uh, the crawl spaces of Jewish families' homes and try to plant bombs. In fact, right after high school, Tom Tarrant was arrested in the state of Mississippi for trying to plant a bomb. So on that Thursday night, you can imagine when the community gathered, there was some tension in that room. What kind of story was Tom Tarrant going to come and tell the Spring Hill Presbyterian Church? In the fellowship hall that Thursday evening, Tom shared about his life in Mobile as a teenager. He, 
told of the story when he was in prison as a young man in Mississippi. He told the story about how someone left the Bible in a cell and he began reading the pages of the Bible and he began to see the world in a different way through the lens of the gospel. No longer through the lens of us versus them, Jewish folks versus me, in versus out. He began to see the world in a different way. It caused him to read everything by C.S. Lewis that had ever been written. His life was changed. He began to see that there was a different way to live in the world, a way that he could only see through Christ. The room was mesmerized. You could hear a pin drop. Tom talked for an hour. Talked about his past and his faith, and he invited the room at the very end for questions. There was a line 10 people deep at that microphone. They had questions for Tom Tarrant. They wanted to know how one could actually come to believe this way. What had actually changed in his heart? They were three, four questions in when a man got to the microphone and said, hey, uh, remember that kid that you picked up in high school by the throat and, and, and held him up against the lockers? And Tom said, unfortunately, I do. I've been thinking about that guy every day of my life since then. First, the microphone said, hey, uh, do, you re- do you happen to remember what that guy's name was? Tom Tarrant said, unfortunately, I don't. I don't. It's a long time ago. That was 30 years ago. Guy at the microphone said, his name was uh, Stan Chasson. And I know that because I'm him. I'm the person that you picked up by the throat 30 years ago and held up against the locker, Tom. And I got to tell you, I'm a little unnerved that, uh, that, that, that flyers were put up all over Mobile announcing that you were going to come and speak. I mean, what do you have to say to our city, Tom? I came tonight because I wanted to know if this was just some publicity stunt. I wanted to know, Tom, if this, if this was just some way for you to raise some money for that think tank you have in D.C. I wanted to know what had changed in your life, Tom, because I knew I would show up here tonight and all of your words would ring hollow for me because I've been carrying the pain of what you've done to me and done to my community for 30 years. There's some tension in the room that night. When Stan said, Tom, but your words have struck a chord with me. I've listened to every word that you've had to say tonight, and your words aren't hollow. So my question is this, Tom. Um, Last week was Yom Kippur in my tradition. I'm still a practicing Jewish man. That's the high holy day, Tom, in my tradition, when we make amends with those that we've wronged. My question for you tonight in this fellowship hall of Spring Hill Presbyterian Church is this, Tom, will you forgive me for the hatred that I've been carrying around of you for the last 30 years? Tom, will you forgive me for hating you? Tom said, you're asking me to forgive you? Yeah. Yes, absolutely, I forgive you. But Stan, the, the, the bigger question is, man, 
what I did to you was real. It was, it was wrong. And I, 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 I hurt people in Mississippi and Alabama. I need to know from you, Stan, will you forgive me, not only for what I did to your community, but what I did to you personally? Tom could barely speak. He was fighting off the tears, and everyone at Spring Hill watched these two men put their microphones down and walk to the middle of that fellowship hall and embrace. different way of living and being in this world. The third way. Two men that had every right to hold on to the pain of the past. And the Holy Spirit, she swept right into a fellowship hall in a Presbyterian church. created a path towards forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, people in uh, Spring Hill and Mobile, Alabama still talk about that night. They call it the miracle at Spring Hill. Friends, let me be abundantly clear. The third way is not. The third way is not merely about bringing somebody to your side of the argument. The third way is not merely just you jumping ship to theirs. Oh no, the third way is something so much more powerful. It's about finding a common mutuality, a third way that we could never arrive at on our own. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit in our lives and our world. Stan and Tom, two paths that found common ground. In vulnerability and in forgiveness. An entirely different way to live. So my dear friends, the binaries of this world are not the only way to live. There's a different way to live beyond wrong versus right, us versus them, right versus left. We can find our way back to one another through Christ. Because the good news of the gospel is this. We are much more than the labels we place on ourselves and the labels we place on others. We are more than where our children go to school. We are more than where we happen to work. We are more than who we love. We are more than who who we vote for. We are much more than what we happen to believe about a particular doctrine of theology. And our lives and our relationships are deeper than those dividing lines. It's a different way to live. A third way. A third way that we come to know fully through Christ and the church, a way that teaches us that people are more valuable than their opinions, that there is more to human connection than someone's political stance, and a way that says that we can actually disagree with one another. We can actually disagree with one another on issues of substance and yet still belong to one another.
friends, in this commit season. May we continue to be a community of faith that seeks to live the third way. A community of faith that seeks to recognize that we belong to one another. A community of faith that seeks to live like we all belong to God. May it be so. Amen. Friends, having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us rise together in body and in spirit and affirm our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed printed in your order of service. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, as we enter into a time of prayer this morning, I would invite you after the service to visit the tables outside of the north transept, where we have letters that will go to people in need of prayer, either for joys or for concerns. Your signature is a form of prayer and a remembrance that they belong to this community of faith. This morning we celebrate that 16 members of this congregation are spending time worshiping and enjoying lunch and conversation with friends at the Westside Baptist Church in Louisville as a part of our ongoing Race Still Matters ministry. <clears throat> we are grateful for the growing friendships and the ongoing work of the Spirit in our midst. Let us pray. <clears throat> God of streams and rivers, God of rain and God of thunder, we give you thanks this day for the natural wonders of this world. We recognize your goodness in the colors of leaves whose changes mirror our own transformations. We see your beauty in sunlight breaking through clouds, which reminds us that your grace can find us even in the midst of life's storms. We feel your presence in the warmth of a fireplace in which we remember that your love warms even the hardest of hearts. And so we give thanks that you are ever present in this world and in our lives, transforming us and extending grace and love to each person. And yet there are times in which we struggle to feel your presence. So God, we ask that you would show forth your goodness to those with broken hearts, to those who grieve what was, and to those whose lives are in transition. God, show forth the beauty of your grace to those whose homes and livelihoods have been destroyed by powerful storms, to those who are struggling with addiction, and to those who need a second chance. 
And God, show forth the warmth of your love to those who are struggling with infertility, to those who are sleeping on the streets or seeking shelter, and to those who are in conflict with the ones that they love. God, so often we take for granted your goodness, your grace, and your love. And so this day, amidst the struggles of this world, help us to practice gratitude and to share your good news with all who need a word of hope. And as a sign of our gratitude, let us raise our voices in prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This fall, as a part of our commit season, we are highlighting the ministries of members of this community who have given up their time and their energy and grown in faith and also become a witness to us for the ways that God uses our time and our talent and our treasure for the work of the kingdom. This morning, we are lucky enough to have Cindy Jung to share her story with us this morning. Cindy, thanks for being here. You are the current moderator of our Board of Deacons, and so I wonder if you might share with the congregation this morning how and why you decided to commit to the care ministries at Preston Hollow. I had been involved in children's ministry for a number of years, and when Matthew came, I decided it was time for me to make a deeper commitment to church, and um, I was very honored when I was asked to be a deacon, and all it required of me was saying yes, and that yes opened up an opportunity for me to work with many beautiful people in this church to where we are working on uh, having potluck dinners and singing and having movies, to being able to provide communion for people who are in homebound situations, to being able to provide a service to all the folks who have funerals and memorials here, and then finding ways to pull together our beautiful community of church members. Indeed, we have um, grown and been strengthened through your gifts and grateful for the ways you've shared them. I wonder um, if you might share a little bit about how being involved in the ministries has impacted your faith. Well, having that opportunity to say yes is, is a big gift for me. But in part, you're not going to believe this correlation, but it kind of reminds me of the Ferber method of trying to get kids to think. And if you've had a child, you know some people it works. It didn't for me. But the one thing that I remember from what he said was, the more a child can sleep, the more they will. So for me, saying yes to the opportunity to commit meant that I was more involved. And that involvement deepened my commitment both to Christ and the church. And that commitment enriched my faith and made me a more faithful person. So I would say to you, the opportunity to say yes to a commitment 
can give you the opportunities to be involved and it will help you grow in faith. Sydney, thank you so much for sharing for a few minutes with us today. It has been such a gift um, to me and I imagine to each one of you to hear a different story of somebody's involvement in ministry here at Preston Hollow each Sunday. It's a reminder that God uses us, all of us, our involvement of our time, our talent, our treasure, but also our financial gifts in ways that grows the kingdom of God here on earth. I hope you'll join me next Sunday in committing to what Jesus Christ is doing through this community of faith during our commitment Sunday. We will celebrate with the Kirken of the Tartans, but also the bringing of our gifts, um, the ways that we're going to commit. So I hope you will prayerfully consider how God's calling you to commit in the year ahead. Friends, we are gifted with a generous God. God is ever faithful to us. And so with grateful hearts, let us give back of our tithes and our offerings this morning.
generation to generation, you have graciously given us all that we need. So we dedicate these gifts to you because we put our hope in you, and we trust you to guide our hands, feet, and hearts to do your will. Continue to lead us in your path, and may these gifts allow us to glorify you. Amen. Friends, you may be seated. At this time, as we prepare to celebrate the sacrament of baptism, I invite the Gillespie family forward. Siblings in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, God claims us and seals us as Christ's own forever. For we believe that Christ loves us first. It is God who first reaches out to us to claim us and seal us as Christ's own. In baptism, we profess and we profess our trust that all belong to God, and we remember that we belong to one another. So I invite you all to remember your own baptisms. That is to say, to remember God's claim on your life. On behalf of the session, I present James William Gillespie to be baptized. Rachel and Tyler, do you desire your child to be baptized? Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death, and that Christ Jesus is strongest of all? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every day, seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ in all that you say and do? Do you promise to tell your child the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for him, and to remember for yourself and for Will that he belongs first and always to the love of God, which we know through Jesus Christ our Lord? And do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Will through love and prayer, through teaching and service, encouraging him to know and to follow our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, do we? We do. Let us pray. This water is ordinary, O Lord. It came straight from the tap. But in this water you make extraordinary promises to will. In this water you promise to claim him as your own. In this, promise, in this water, you promise to wrap him in your love. In this water, you seal him with a new identity, child of the covenant. God, it's always been this way with you and water. You moved over the water at creation to bring forth life. Out of the waters of the flood, you gave righteousness a new start. Through the waters of the Red Sea, you gave your people freedom. And in the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized and anointed with your spirit. So send your spirit again over this water, we pray. Surround Will now with your grace. And as he receives a visible sign of it, renew us all with the gifts of new beginnings and deep belonging. So that with this young one, we may go from here in joy as your beloved family. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Will. By what name shall this child be baptized? All right, James William. James William, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. You are sealed and claimed as God's own forever. God loves you. Family of Christ, as we welcome our newest member, I invite you to stay seated and to sing with us raindrops, oceans, lakes, and rivers. As a remembrance of this day, we'd like to give the Gillespie family a candle. We hope you'll light this on the anniversary of Will's baptism as a way to remind him of his own baptism. We can tell him the stories about the water being really cold and about squirming to get back to you all at the end of the aisle. So friends, as we conclude this service today, I invite you to rise and to sing our final hymn.
promise for Will is the promise for you and for me, and dare I say our entire world, that long before you knew who God was, long before you even knew what love was, God reached out and claimed you and loved you and called you God's own. Therefore, you belong to God. And if you belong to God and Will belongs to God and I belong to God and Jesse belongs to God, seems to me our call is to live like we belong to one another. So may we go forth from this hour to be the church in the world, seeking the third way. And as we go, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth. and Far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in all our ways. Amen.